Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first-century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. In Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, Dr. Bernard answers your questions about what the Bible teaches and how those teachings apply to everyday life. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Exodus 22 and 25 says, If you lend money to any of my people who are poor among you, you shall not be like a money lender to him. You shall not charge him interest. And there are several other Bible passages that reiterate the same theme. God prohibited his people from charging interest on their money, at least when they loaned it to a fellow Israelite. So here's the problem for those of us who live in the 21st century, at least in the West. Our entire financial system, as you well know, is based on loaning money and collecting interest. And if the United States, if we tried to literally follow this policy from the Old Testament, our economy would collapse. So the question for us today, I guess, is are we sinning by putting our money in the bank or in financial markets with the intention of collecting a return on our investment? Or is is it a sin for financial institutions to charge interest? And uh, how should a Christian look at this in light of our current circumstances? The short answer is no, and let's go back to the Old Testament. Yes, there are a number of passages that say um, the the King James Version uses the term usury, which can mean simply interest, or it can also mean excessive interest, which is usually how it's used in uh, American law. But either way, I think the most important thing is to understand that those Old Testament teachings were given to ancient Israel that had a subsistence or agrarian economy. And what I mean by that is almost everyone survived by farming or crafts. And there there had to be a few people that were merchants or shopkeepers, but basically everybody raised food for their own family and they traded with other families for what they needed. So in that context, what are you talking about? It's not talking about in the modern sense of I want to build a building so i got to borrow money, or I want to buy a large house so I'm going to borrow money. Uh, in ancient times, people built their own house or neighbors would come together and build the house, a very simple structure. And so there wasn't the uh, a modern economy. There wasn't the, the business uh, economy that we have. So ha- you have to understand that command in context. So what is it talking about? It's talking about someone who's so poor that they don't have food. And so they come to you and they say, I've used up all my grain. It's three months before the harvest I planted, but I've run out. My family has grown. I didn't, some of my food spoiled. I didn't have a good harvest and and I'm desperate. I'll pay you whatever. If you'll give me some grain for the next three months, I'll, I'll pay whatever. And so the Bible is saying, don't take advantage of your neighbor, your brother. Now, if it's some stranger passing through, <laughs> charge them interest because you don't even need to be there. But if it's your own neighbor, your own brother, don't try to profit off of their suffering. Don't say, yeah, I'll give you food, but you got to pay me 20% interest because you're gouging them. You're taking advantage of their hardship. So don't, if you're going to lend, just just lend it straight across. And in three months when his harvest comes in, he can give you that amount of grain back. So it's it's talking in the sense of take care of your your neighbors, 
help them. If they have to borrow, let them borrow freely. Don't try to profit off of their need or their crisis. Um, so that's the, that's the context of that. And I think that's still relevant. In fact, Jesus actually went more than that in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, if someone asked to borrow, just give it to them. Now, again, put that in context. Does that mean, hey, Brother Moore, you believe in Jesus, right? I need a thousand bucks. Can I borrow a thousand bucks? Well, wait a minute. In fact, I, I expect you to give that to me because I'm your brother. And Jesus said, if somebody asked to borrow, just give it to them. No, it would be in the same context. If I say, Brother Moore, I've run out of money. I'm struggling. I'm a home missions pastor. Could, could you just, could you loan me a hundred dollars and whenever I can earn it, I'll give you that hundred back. And what would you say? I'll give you the hundred dollars. Don't forget about that. You know, I'm not going to done you as my brother. You're in need. You're struggling. You're trying to do God's work. I have a hundred dollars. You don't. I'll give you the hundred dollars. So that same principle would still apply, but that doesn't mean I would say, you know, I'm thinking about starting a business. I need a thousand bucks. I need 10 people to give me a thousand bucks so I can start this business, make lots of money, but don't charge interest. In fact, I'd just like for you to give it to me. So you can easily see where you take it out of context. Now you might say, well, that's some fancy footwork here. That's not really true. Well, I'll give you Jesus Christ. Matthew 25, Jesus gives the parable of this, um, this owner, this rich person who gives some money, talents, but that's a currency or that, you know, that's metal currency money. And he gives five talents to one and, uh, two talents and one talent. So he comes back from his journey. The man with five talents has multiplied it with 10. So apparently he's done business trading. The man with two has multiplied it to four. And the man with only one says, well, I knew you would be very strict. So I just kept it and hid it. So I wouldn't lose it. Here it is back. And the Lord, the master rebuked him. And of course, sent him into punishment because you, you by your own admission say, I'm a hard Taskmaster, I expect a return on my investment. I expect my servants to work hard. Well, you should have put the money at the bank and earned interest at least. If you, you know, if you weren't enterprising like these other people and started a business and doubled your money, and, and you know, you weren't aggressive and going out and traded, barred, and, and you know, increased, at least you could have earned a ten percent return by going to the bank. Now, Jesus would never tell that parable if it if it was sinful, okay? He is actually in the parable, he's recommending at least you could have earned interest. So we know in a business context, Jesus himself said, yes, it's appropriate to invest your money and earn interest. In fact, that's the least you can do. That's the safe thing you can do. So if we if we are in the ancient agrarian or personal context of helping a needy brother, right, we shouldn't, charge interest. In fact, we probably should just give it if we can. But if we are in a business context, there's nothing wrong with earning interest. Now, looking at it from an economic point of view, uh, think of it this way. Uh, interest is just the cost of borrowing money. Uh, it, it, so everything has a cost of using something. And so interest is just what you're paying to rent money. So for instance, let's say you have um, a second home or maybe even you just have a, 
a, a garage apartment or something, and you say, and I say, look, I'd like to live there, and you say, okay, fine, and you charge me rent, would that be unfair? No, but that is that rent is the cost of using that house because you could do other things with the house, you could use it yourself, and anyway, you're going to have to pay something in utilities, wear and tear, repairs, uh, maintenance. Uh, mowing the yard, whatever. So the rent is just the reasonable price for using your property. So nobody would think it's wrong for you to charge rent. In fact, everybody would think it's wrong if I expect to live in your house for a year and not pay you anything. Okay. Interest is this renting money. So I have $1,000. I could invest it. I could start a business. I could buy $1,000 worth of supplies, turn around and sell them and make profit, but instead I'm going to let you use it for a while so that you can use that money and you can go into business and you can um, buy some things and resell them at a profit. Well, if you're using my money to make a profit, isn't it reasonable that you share uh, just a little bit of that profit with me? Because you're using my money for a whole year. I could be making a profit. I could probably be making more profit than interest. But for whatever reason, either I don't want to risk or I'm wanting to help you out or I figure if I do this with a lot of people, I'll come out ahead. Uh, so I'm letting you use my money for a whole year so that you can make money. Well, that's the cost of you renting that money. Or another way, you're just giving me a small part of your profits back to me. It's like we went in business for ourselves. But you got 90% of the profits. I only got 10% of the profits. So if you look at it as the cost of renting money or as a partnership where somebody who has money is contributing the money to the partnership while the other guy is contributing the labor to the partnership, well, then you can see that interest, there's nothing nefarious. There's nothing dishonest. It's not like getting money for nothing. It's not like gouging someone. It's not like preying on someone. It's actually just a business deal. Now, here I'll give you a good example. The United Pentecostal Church has a loan fund, which we use, and we've blessed hundreds of churches that they've been able to buy property building or renovate property building or refinance and, and lower the rate. So here's the point. Churches, uh, typically in our culture, they need a place to worship. And over time, the best and most efficient way a most productive way is to, to own their own building if they can. And I can speak as a, f a former pastor, uh, having a building represent the growth of our church. And in fact, by owning a building, we are able to increase our size or to increase missions giving. In fact, during my time, we ended up giving as much to missions as we paid for our building. But we could have never grown to give that much to missions if we hadn't had a building. So it was like a tool that enabled us to grow. And even from a financial perspective, it enabled us to invest in the kingdom of God in, in world missions. So it's just a tool. But to get that, I had to borrow money. So I had to pay interest to secular people. Well, now under the loan fund, we're not gouging our brothers, but you can pay to the loan fund. The loan fund will turn around and reinvest that same money into the next guy who wants it. And if it does end up with a little profit, because they have to pay costs, so, so that interest is not just free money. You have to pay a lot of associated costs for operating all that. But let's say you come out ahead, well, then they donate to more ministries. So which would you rather do? As a church, you need a building as a tool. 
so you can grow, so you can give to missions, so you can win souls. But to have that tool, you got to pay money to a bank and they're, they're, the sinners are going to profit off of it. Well, instead, you could give that money to the church. You know, think of it as a donation if you want. And the church, in turn, will service that. Their church will use that same money to help other churches buy their buildings. And if there's anything left over, the church, the, the, the loan fund will give to a missions program. So now your money is actually being reinvested to benefit the kingdom of God. Well, that's totally not the concern in the Old Testament of gouging your brother. Actually, it's a mutual benefit where we're partnering together to grow the kingdom of God. So in that context, I think God would, if he would, if he would admonish that one servant for not making more money, I think he would commend us for using our money instead of giving it into the secular system to give it to grow the kingdom of God. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We also appreciate it when you share Apostolic Life in the 21st Century with a friend or family member. And make plans to join us again next time as we look at how the Bible applies to everyday life.